Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask, mothers and fathers aligned, saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health issues and struggles. If you know someone that needs a referral or a parent support group, a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, please give us a call. Our confidential number is 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. Maybe you want to jot it down for a loved one. Maybe it's for a neighbor or someone you usually would sit next to in shul. Our number again, 718-758-0400. I'd like to just remind everyone that next week on Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, and Sunday is the Nefesh International Conference. And that is the conference for therapists to get trained, ongoing trainings through the year by Nefesh. But that conference really gives tremendous amount of chizuk and wonderful, outstanding trainings for the therapist. So anyone that wants to still register, please go on to Nefesh International and register and you'll get to network with all the finest therapists out there. We have hundreds of therapists attending. So come and join us so that everybody gets the training that they so desperately need in these difficult times. I'd like to also let you know that there is affordable supervision for the training for the therapist. All therapists have, should have supervisors, ongoing supervision, and there's a wonderful program made available through Nefesh International and affordable for the therapist to have supervision at a very affordable rate with just talented, brilliant therapists that will supervise them. So tonight, I really, you know, want to say that my guest tonight, I must be honest and tell you, I have been so blessed in the 25 years this week is our, is our anniversary where we're starting tw our 25th year of doing MASK. And since I started MASK, we really have been blessed to have Rabbi Dr. Ben-Sion Tversky, who have, has been facilitating parent support group in person and since COVID by Zoom every week for the past 24 years. And the only time that he didn't do it is Baruch Hashem when he had his family simchas. Otherwise, he has been 24 years 
every Wednesday night facilitating group for parents that parents that struggle with children of all ages with mental health struggles, school issues, addiction, molestation, whatever struggles it may be, Dr. Tversky has been there for the mass parents and continues every Wednesday night to facilitate the group. Masks celebrating our 25th year, over 115,000 families have attended. Our programs called for referrals have gone through our trainings, including therapists, school staff, camp staff. So what should I tell you? With so much siyat bishmaya, we have able to reach this amazing anniversary of 25 years. And I could not have done it. I repeat, I could not have done it without all the amazing staff, therapists, my supervisors, and every organization and therapist out there that contributed to helping uh, MASK, including the interns. So a shout out to the wonderful, talented, brilliant, very, very well, highly trained therapists that have really contributed to this milestone of our 25th anniversary. It is not me alone. Nothing has happened in 25 years at MASK that was just me doing it without an amazing staff all through the years. Esther Gewertz spent 18 years with MASK. I mean, unbelievable the devotion that she had towards MASK. So I just want to give a shout out and yashkoach to her as well. And everyone, all the employees, all through the years from day one, day one till today. So let's get to it. Rabbi Dr. Tversky, wonderful having you on again. How are you? Baruch Hashem, and it's wonderful being here. Well, it's always wonderful knowing that we have you there for parents, and parents rely on you. So thank you on behalf of all the staff and all the parents. Dr. Tversky, tonight I really want to talk about Purim. When I started Mask, it was right before Purim. I was actually sitting on my couch with some friends and we were talking about what to name the organization. I had no idea it was going to be something, what it turned into, but parents were getting together by, in my home. We were trying to figure out had to pull this off, and you were even at the meetings with other professionals and organizations, first meeting in my home, and it was before Purim, and we spoke about the dangers of Purim, and I'd like to really talk about uh, the dangers of unsafe drinking around Purim. So let's start with what do you, when someone says to you, Rabbi Dr. Tversky, what is Purim drinking? What is your response, please? I got to tell you that having watched a lot of drinking over the years, 
that I have trouble understanding how it's connected with Purim. It's easier to tell you what it's not than what it is. It's you know it's clear that the that the Megillah talks about how wine was being was being used. When Achashverosh was intoxicated, and that's when the that's when the series of events with Vashti and then Esther went on, and all the events that that followed that. Um, it began with that. It began with it, with intoxication, but it does not say that Achashverosh was rolling drunk. It's interesting the expression "ketayv lev hamelech He was he was he was he was in a good mood. He was, it, his spirits were were lifted, and yes, there was some degree of intoxication. We know that from the events. But the description of the of Achashverosh's drinking does not say that he was rolling drunk. It doesn't say that he was passed out. It doesn't say that he was puking everywhere. It doesn't say. It doesn't talk about him having a a hangover the next day. None of that is is mentioned there, and, and it's fairly clear that when the Chachamim addressed the idea of drinking on Purim. Um, it's not one of the mitzvahs that the Megillah itself mentions. Megillah itself talks about Mikra Megillah, reading the Megillah. It talks about the obligation of the Suda. It talks about Matanas Evyanim. And it talks about Nishleach Manas. And there's no reference in the Megillah itself to using alcohol at all. So when the Chachamim said, uh, a person is obligated to imbibe on Purim, it does not talk about intoxication. It talks about to, 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 to absorb. And absorbing wine and having some effect from it is very different from being intoxicated. You know, I, I, I believe we've said this uh, and other times that we've had the, the discussion, what is the word intoxication? Look it up. Toxicity is, toxicity is poisoning. And when we say that somebody is intoxicated, that means that they have poisoned themselves. They have taken something into them which has now had an effect on them, which is a negative effect. So clearly the Chacham never... T- so we should engage in something that's going to be negative. It's just it's just it's blasphemous to 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 expect that the chachamim will obligate us to do something that's going to be dangerous. So that what we have to look at is the that 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 the drinking has to be something which is part of a simcha process, where it brings us to a to a different level of simcha. When somebody becomes becomes uh, becomes wild, I'm not even to use the word violent. When somebody becomes wild because they're influenced by a chemical. You cannot call that simcha. Wildness is not is not simcha. We've also had in the many many conversations about this that we've had over the years. I can't tell you how many people say, "Well, you know, like." Let them drink it just one day a year. Let them let go. And I'm listening to this and saying, "Come talk about letting go. Where do we get it? Where do we get that from? 
where is the idea that we're constrained all year round and we just let everything plot one day a year? That's not a Tayyadika concept. That's not Simchus, that's not Simchus for him either. It's not the mitzvahs of the day. And the Chacham did not talk about that. They could have, they could have come up with a hundred other ideas. And it doesn't, and, and it doesn't mention any of them anywhere. You know, the, I, I remember meeting an old friend from, uh, from Yeshiva days who had gone OTD. He was off the dark majorly. And he engaged in a culture of hitchhiking around the country. And of course, he had given up Yiddishkeit for that, for that period of time. And uh, he was everywhere, everywhere in the country besides Hawaii and Alaska. He was in all 48 contiguous states. And there were people that he would be bumping into that had no idea what a Jew was. They never heard of one. They heard the word. They don't. They don't know what a Jew is. They would feel his head to see if he had horns. Um, and he, you know, he was sitting in my house. I, it was just a, a, a coincidence or a a hashkocha, as we as 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 we know it to be. That um, he, that I wound up bumping into him, and I invited him over. I don't want to tell you what he even looked like in those days. Um, and he, he told me, he says, I possess cocaine. I'm just keeping it to use pork. And I had a debate with him, and he was a brilliant guy. He's a very, very brilliant guy. And no way in the world could he, could, 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 could I sway him that he needs to understand that cocaine and pork have absolutely no connection anytime, anywhere. You want to talk about wine? We can talk about wine. So, but it's not a day of just letting go and making yourself making yourself crazy. And just to just to give you the um, epilogue to this, uh, this this cover of mine became from. He has a from family with uh, children who are yeshiva talmidim. I'm imagining that he has grandchildren at this point who are also from, but he's completely, he's completely back where he needed to be all those years. So, Dr. Tversky, it says, Adeloyada. So how are you going to respond to that? I have a very, very simplistic way of responding to it. Um, some of this has been said by others, but I'm just... I'm, I'm approaching it not so much from saying this one says this and that one says that. I'm going to ask them, what is greater for us? Or Haman or Baruch Please explain to me which one is greater. And if you can, that means that you, that means that you know the difference. And if you drink until the point that, 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 the, that there's a blur and you don't know which of those two is greater for us, then you're then you're good. Now the the reality is most people are going to have a really hard time telling you which is better for us. If you could choose one of them, which one would you choose? I don't know what I would choose. So I have Adelayada what I'm drinking what I'm drinking a drop. That, that's this is an overly simplistic way. Right, can you, I'm sorry. Could you explain the Adelayada for those that may not know what okay. it is? So it says that a person, inish, a person is obligated to absorb, to imbibe the Purya and Purim, this is in Aramaic, ad um, until he does not know, 
between our Haman and Baruch Mardukai cursed is Haman, blessed is Mordechai. Um, and you know, the, the, the people who want to give you the green light to go to, to drink like a, a fish are going to tell you, you know, um, until you start confusing and saying Baruch by, by Haman and Or by Mordechai. That, that's, that's hard to accept. It's uh, to me, it's borderline blasphemy. It, I, I got a really hard time believing that the Chachamim would expect somebody to to have confusion of applying uh, bracha and klala in the opposite in, in the opposite places. Um, so the question is, what does Adolayada mean? And that's actually there are many places who talk about it. The Mishnah to whom who's the Chavetz Chaim to whom we we defer in all cases. I mean, he's he is the guiding Pesach for the for 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 recent generations and for current and for and for current times. Uh, says it does not mean getting drunk. It means you drink enough to get tired. You take a nap when you're sleeping. You don't know between the Haman and the Bar and Bar. Whatever, whatever that may mean, it does mean sleep, and it does not mean drunkenness. Um, so, so that's where uh, that's where I think it becomes fairly clear that the Paiskim are not translating um, Adolayada as somebody who's losing their ability to know. It's not somebody who's losing their mind because of the effects of alcohol. So, Doctor, how would you describe safe drinking when it comes to Purim, please? My take on it is very simple. The way that, in which we are, we, are, we are supposed to be at the level of Adolayada is when we are in a position of maximum, of maximum simple. And let me give you just a, a tiny bit of background. Human faculties include the two major ones are can be are the are the dichotomy of emotion and intellect. And if we want to just you know just use this the metaphor because there's some neurological basis for it, but it's also you know it's also reasonable and it gives us a way to to um, to to carry on the discussion. Emotion resides primarily in the right side of the brain. Intellect resides primarily in the left side of the brain. Now, so, so we're going to talk about right brain, left brain. Right being emotion, left being um, intellect. When we are intensely emotional about anything, we are at our child's wedding, we are at our grandchild's wedding, when we are rejoicing with whatever whatever simcha we happen to have. We are not in a position then for somebody to ask us, oh, you know, there's a question. According to Tyson's and Masechus, such and such, what about this, what about that? We're not capable of answering it, not because we don't know, because we're not, we're not geared into our intellect at the time. We are not supposed. We are. We are supposed to reach a place where emotion reaches a height at which our intellect becomes um, secondary. Our intellect is not the major. Is not the major modality that that is driving us. It's our simcha. It's our emotion. 
And Adalayada is a purely intellectual thing to be able to distinguish between Arahman and Baruch Marzah. And being in, in the height of emotion, you are not engaging in contemplating what that difference is because that's an intellectual function. And your intellect right now is not in charge. It's your emotion. And the emotion on, on, on Purim is not intended to be as, as I've seen it with some people, that they're completely, they're completely intoxicated, just running around, blabbing, screaming, lecturing, crying. None of that is simcha. That's just somebody who's, who's lost control. Um, and uh, so that we're supposed to, through, through the simcha that we are expecting to have, Right, the simcha that we are expected to have should be that intense with us that our our intellect becomes secondary to it. That's what Adalayada really is. And of course, there's more details that you can give to that. What is it about Araham and Abarachmarter that we're not distinguishing? Some say if you add up the numerical value of the letters, the gematria. They come out to be exactly the same. Arhaman and Barhmat total to exactly the same number. So you shouldn't know the difference between two numbers that are the same. Okay, that's one way to look at it. Uh Kamenetsky uh said something quite quite interesting that when you're singing the song of Shoshana Siakam and you reach the words of Arhaman and Barhmatra, you should be unsure which one you're supposed to say first. So that you should literally have to look into the center to to see which one it says it says it says first. Uh, it's a it's a novel way to look at it, but but it's a very reasonable way because it's not talking about somebody who's losing their their ability to function as a rational human being. So then, how would you? I'm sorry. How would you describe? then too much drinking, the dangers. Uh, you explain the safe drinking. So now if you can explain the unsafe drinking. There's, there's several versions of unsafe drinking. The, the, the drinking that goes on when people are just you know going from house to house, that's not part of Simchas Purim. That's people drinking for the sake of, of drinking. We eat a Suda Purim. Some people have a Suda in the morning hours, some in the afternoon hours, some right before the end of the day, so it goes into Shushan Purim. Whatever somebody's, somebody's custom, some people have more than one Suda. But whichever way it is, the drinking takes place at a Suda. And it's, it's being done as Purim, not as the opportunity to, to let go. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've made observations that the kosher wine market has bloomed and blossomed over the last many years, last bunch of years. Uh, I think I, 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 I don't recall any of these wines existing in the, uh, in the, in the kosher market when I was young. It just, no such thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there's probably a, a history behind it. And I think some of our publications have actually chronicled and documented how the, 
how various species of grapes were uh, planted here and there, and how wineries developed. But what but what happens is that that we that we've actually progressed to where there are high quality wines in the kosher. Now I have this for you: your alcoholic, uh, your alcoholic doesn't need good wine. The alcoholic needs whatever whatever has has the alcohol in it. They just get it in as fast as they can. They're thrilled with the most uh, with with the with the highest alcohol content liquor, regardless of what the quality is, regardless of what the taste is. You know, um, we we've we've gotten to read in the in the media how we've gotten to read in our media. How people who were desperate actually drank rubbing alcohol, which is which is potentially poisonous, and ended up in, uh, in um, hospitals for medical treatment. Uh, that kind of desperation. Um, the alcoholic is not drinking for the taste. They're not drinking for the enjoyment. The alcoholic drinks for the effect, and that's not what we're supposed to do. If the if the mitzvah was, if if the if the purpose of wine was to drink for the effect, it would not say in the pasuk as it does in in Tehillim, the yain yisamach levavenish, the lechem levavenish yisod. Wine makes makes glad the heart of men, and bread um, uh, satiates uh, the, the satiates man, um, and. It, you know, the same way that overeating is a pretty disgusting thing to do, so is overdrinking. It's not any different. And it's that if one drinks normally, so yain yasama, wine will actually gladden the wine can help somebody achieve a, a, a state in which simcha can become, uh, can become intense. It doesn't say the alcohol becomes intense. It says the simcha becomes intense. Um, so that you know, this is done with drinking moderately. You drink at the and that's that's a that that's that's a that's a safe way to drink. For somebody to walk into the house and start to pour themselves martinis or a full glass of wine, that's not safe drinking. It's drinking for the impact of it, and we don't drink for the impact of it. We drink for the right, Dr. Tversky. Um, you know, getting drunk on Purim, some people question, is it indicative of alcoholism? And what would you want to say uh, to everybody about if they know someone that has a drinking problem, what should they do? So the question is how much of, how much impact, how much of an effect can we truly have on somebody else? First of all, drinking on Purim is not alcoholism. It's misuse of alcohol. Um, the alcoholic is somebody who has a either majority or a significant portion of their life is based on on the the drinking. Someone who drinks, who you know, will have a drink here and there. That's not alcoholism. Um, it, it's not. It's not leading to negative consequences. It's not having a negative impact. So they have a drink here. They have a drink there. The problem with somebody who's alcoholic, and I'm going to quote an Alcoholics Anonymous slogan. Uh, in AA, they have slogans that are are somewhere between brilliant and genius. And they say, when they, for the alcoholic, 
One drink is too many, a thousand is never enough. And what it is is that the alcoholic has to abstain from alcohol, not 80% of the time, not 90% of the time. They have to be 100% abstinence from alcohol. And the reason for that is that they cannot safely have a single drink. If the alcoholic has one drink, the risk of them going off a cliff into very heavy drinking is extremely high. And one one should not be taking chances like that. You know, look, in addiction, people tend to be risk takers. And kids particularly have a knack for looking for um, for thrills, but these are very very dangerous thrills to be to be uh, to be seeking, and um, uh, it it should absolutely not be done. For someone who has a drinking problem, what's really important what's really important for someone with the drinking problem is that they abstain completely. If you know someone has a drinking problem, do not make the alcohol available. If you have to hide it, if you've got somebody in the home, somebody in the family with a with a drinking problem, go dry. Keep the alcohol out of the home. It's a dangerous thing to do. Dr. Torsky, uh, we are going to continue this conversation. Listen to the continuation next week with Dr. Rabbi Dr. Torsky. Thank you, Dr. Torsky. We'll continue Certainly. next week. I look forward. And meanwhile... Have a good night, have a good Shabbos, and always remember, hang in, hold on, and for now, virtually, hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Thank you. Please consider to go online and make a donation at maskparents.org. Thank you, and have a good night.